We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a Luck out with the red card and the handball call, and nothing else happened. That's how they won. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. They won because Mane didn't get sent off, and because the Jota handball wasn't called, and absolutely no other reason. We would have taken all three points. We would have won 10-0, but for those things, and I am furious about them. We're going to spend two hours pouring over those two refereeing decisions. I'm kidding. Of course, we're not going to do that. Um, in fact, we probably won't touch on them at all because it is a game... Uh, of fertile topics to discuss, and I think that those are the things that we want to emphasize while acknowledging uh, that there were some dodgy calls, and certainly I think Mane could have gone, but like other than saying Mane could have gone, I'm not sure there's much in that, so we'll get on with more interesting discussions. I do really quickly uh, just want to say we got a lot of positive feedback from the Arsenal Editor website, and so I want to just mention it again. Like We always try to surface uh, Arsenal businesses and Arsenal fans that are, are doing things that are interesting and creative. Um, because we ourselves try to do things that are interesting and creative. And while we may fail, others will succeed. And uh, I, I got a chance to uh, get my hands on one of the prints that, that Nils makes, and they're really phenomenal. So if you want to go to arsenaleditor.com, um, you can do that and use our promo code ARSENALVPODCAST and get 10% off and worldwide free shipping. So just someone who has some great prints um, of Arsenal players, Arsenal moments that, that you might enjoy, arsenaleditor.com. You can go there and save 10% with Arsenal V Podcast and free worldwide shipping. So, uh, Tim is on Twitter, at Stoberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Clive's on Twitter, Clive PAFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Yeah, look, I I think this is one of those games, Like, I, and I know that um, 
talking about the lineup isn't always particularly interesting or fun, um, especially when it's just exactly what you expect. But I do think this is a game where the lineup discussion can take us in a lot of interesting directions because I think it has ramifications for how we look at the how we look at the way we're playing, how we look at the way we're approaching matches, and so on and so forth. So having said that, um, Clive, I mean, how do you feel about the lineup he picked? How much surprise did you have about it? And if any potential critique or concern about it, uh, please express that as well. That would be delightful. Um, you know, I don't really care much for lineups. Once I see it, I go, okay, what's he trying to do here? And I just thought he was looking at... Previous games at Anfield where we've been blown off the park in, in 20 minutes, it feels like. And he picked uh, he picked our most structured team, um, potentially our most tactically aware team, to start the game. And I heard Paul on the instant reaction and I agreed with him. It's very important to stay in these games, Liverpool. Keep the score quite close because they will give you a chance. And I, when I saw the team, I, I was thinking, OK, I know some people are going to say Sabahis should have played, but in the last game, he was very leggy and... Um, so I could see that, whereas versus Leicester, I know it was Leicester second team, but I thought El Nenny did really well in that game, extra responsibility. So I could see that he may have been the fitter, more structured player. So there you go. I made that one work in my own mind. <laughs> and the William Pepe thing, well, there may be, I, I personally, with my personal bias, I like a, another sprinter, but um, he chose William and people, you know, told me that he's tactically really good and he's been these places before he's very experienced seven eight years at Chelsea who am I to question that one obviously we can discuss the the end result the hindsight discussion is another one but when I saw the team I saw balance I saw that we're going to be well structured and we're going to be quite competitive and I could see why he did it even down to the fact of Gabriel not playing and Louise playing that sort of made sense to me from balance-wise because unless you're going to use Louise on the right-hand side, you negate his distribution, so why do that? Play him in the centre. The Tierney thing with Maitland-Niles, no one questions that when it works until it doesn't. And so, yeah, everything was set holding on the right-hand side. I could see what he was trying to do. You know, I could see it. Whether it worked or not, I'm sure we'll get onto that um, later yep. on. <clears throat> Look, I, I think one of my issues is it gets back to the point that you can't always only be picking your team to try to address the problems the opposition is going to cause you. You have to pick a team that will cause them problems that they have to respond to. And sometimes I think an interesting way to analyze things is which player would the opposing coach hope you start? Like, would Klopp have hoped we started Ceballos or Elneny? Would Klopp have hoped we started Willian or Pepe? Like, I think the reason that's an interesting way of looking at it is it's a reminder that while you can pick a team that is designed to deal with the problems that you're going to face, you have some obligation, I think, to pick a team that causes problems that they have to face. And by doing that, you potentially take them out of their comfort zone. And I just worry that this was a lineup that, while I can certainly go with you, Clive, and see every justification for it, I am not going to pretend that Arteta is a moron. He knows what he's doing. But I do think that it sets up to make it a comfortable day for Liverpool. And so, I, Elliot, you mm. don't you don't have to. You can still create problems for people, but you don't have to do it from minute one. You know, you need to assess what's coming your way. I felt that within the first twenty seconds, I'm thinking, bloody hell, Liverpool are coming for us with their A game. They've seen us beat them. They've seen us celebrating the Community Shield. They're coming for us. They're coming to smash us. They're coming to smash us off the park. I really believe 
this was the, probably the best team to start the game to withstand that. Unless you're telling me we have the ability to play through that, run past them, and create them problems from minute one where they're fired up. I, I do think we that. do, but that doesn't mean I'm right. And, and I want to be clear I'm, about something, Clive. Like, one thing that's really interesting about football, and maybe this is just the world in general, and I, I don't want to get too um, up my own ass here, but like, I do think that we have a tendency to get mad when people don't see things the way we see it. And there is nothing wrong with someone just seeing it a different way. And by the way, you could see it a different way and be wrong or be right. I could be dead net wrong about this. And in all cases, probably am, let's be honest. But like, I, Tim, I think that like, I look at the ceiling that this team has when you pick it that way. And, and I get it. Like, you can pick a team to sort of survive the early onslaught and try to make the difference late in the game. But like, then you can go to the, the post hoc analysis and say, well, we got blown off the pitch in the first half. So that didn't work. But like, I, I mean, how do you feel about the idea that this is a lineup that was picked to try to sort of survive and withstand the problems that Liverpool causes and, and doesn't give Arsenal the chance to cause problems of their own or create mismatches or create challenges that could potentially take Liverpool out of their comfort zone. I mean, that is a that is a balance. And I realize you can't go to Anfield and say, oh, hey, puff out our chest. We're just going to go toe-to-toe with the champions. We finished 40 points behind or whatever it was. But, like, I, I, I do think you can, you can look at it a different way and you can say, let's cause them problems. And, by the way, I remember the 6-0 at Chelsea. You know, I remember the 8-2 at Old Trafford. I remember all of those heavy defeats. And I understand why there are other ways to approach a football match. I'm not saying it would have gone well for us. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that if we had just picked a different lineup, we play them off the park. I'm just asking about philosophically the decision to sort of be a team that would absorb the challenges they present to us early and try to change it late versus maybe being a little more um, capable of hurting them early. Yeah, I, I think it's um, I th- it's a case of kind of playing the numbers. And, and, and I guess to the discussion that you've both just had, it just depends on which side you come down on. And uh, really, it's, it's a it's a it's a simple um it's a simple formula, but there isn't a simple answer. Which what which approach is more likely to give you the points? You, you go into this game as Mikel Arteta, you know the chances are you're going to lose, and there's any number of ways you can lose. Chances are you're going to lose, um, and that's that's kind of that because they're better because talent wins. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but what give what gives you the best chance of a point or three points? And and essentially what what we're kind of the two different types of approach we're talking about. Probably if you run this game through a simulator 10 times, each approach will yield a result at some point, but which one do you think gets you the result more? I think that's, that's kind of what we're getting at here. And, you know, maybe it could be that, it, well, it probably is in Arteta's mind. He probably thinks, okay, maybe I pick Pepe instead of Willian. Keep everything else the same. I'll have Ceballos as my late sub, or I'll pick Saka, or I'll pick j- just one of them. I'll put one of those players in. Um, and, you know, maybe one time out of 10, that that wins us the game. Um, but here's where I think maybe the distinction is in Arteta's mind, that he probably would have been happy with a point. And he probably thought, yep, if I put Pepe and Ceballos in, that probably raises the chance that we win the game, maybe one time out of 10, but it drops the chance of us drawing the game. And I think having won our first two, he was probably thinking, 
Okay, I'd probably take a point here. So I think he set up thinking that a point would be a good result. Not that that was the absolute ultimate aim at the detriment of everything else. You know, we weren't lining up with 10 at the back like Newcastle style. Um, and, and, you know, we, we managed to create threat in the first half. Not often, but we did score a goal and we did score a nice goal um, that was well constructed. Um, and look, we, we, we it was probably... We, we did? We, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the Lacazette goal? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess it back. depends on whether you look at the way it is poorly delivered by Maitland-Niles and Ricochets and yeah, then is poorly... That, that I mean, bit wasn't. That bit wasn't, sure. But yes, the way out. we played out and, and beat the press and got into those positions was good. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Okay. It, it, yeah, yeah. It's still, we put the ball into an area. Yes, and yeah, yeah, there's good a point. chance mm-hmm. that's going to happen. And, and for my money, something Arteta's Arsenal doesn't have enough of, and I'm sure we'll come on to this discussion, is is jeopardy and unpredictability in the final third. I, I, think, we're, I think we're a bit of a... Um, I don't think we're that good to watch as an attacking team, quite frankly. Um, and well, no, less than that, I don't think we're an effective attacking team, but th- that's a discussion we'll have later in the podcast, I think. But so I, I think, I think maybe where you're coming from, Elliot, and I completely understand this is that, um, that gives us the best chance to win the game. Whereas I think Arteta was probably thinking this setup probably gives us the best chance to draw the game. And if we're still in it on 70 minutes, then maybe, you know, maybe we're drawing. And then like, I think he'd have brought Sabios and Pepe on if it had been one all. Mm-hmm. I still think he'd have made those moves. I don't think he'd have tried to hold on to the draw. I think he'd have thought, okay, let's go for the win now. Um, but I think maybe he was probably thinking it would pan out pretty much the way it did. If there's if we're a goal down with 20 to go, I'll bring on Pepe and Ceballos and then we'll go for it. And it'll either finish 2-2 or 3-1. And it could have finished 2-2 if Lacazette had scored. It went 3-1. So I, I think he was playing the percentages, but he was thinking probably more that a, a draw would be a decent result here. Yeah, and I mean, like, I'm not killing Arteta for doing this, by the way. Again, I, I, it is... Mm. It is definitely the case, I think, right now that we're starting to retreat into camps again, and I hate that, where it's like, you can't hold this opinion or you can't have that opinion, and if you do, it means that I have to be mad at you about it. Like, like mm-hmm. I love Arteta. I love the direction of travel that the club is seems to be on under Arteta. I think he's here long enough now that I think it should be fun and interesting and, and on the table to say, oh, on this day, I think he got this wrong, or I think he got this right. But there is definitely still, I think, a tenderness about that, where it's like, nope, you can't go there. You can't do that. And so, like, I feel like I have to caveat things and say, I love Arteta. I love the direction of travel, because I do. But I have some concerns and some questions that I'd like to address. And if we can't address them, then we can't have an interesting conversation or debate. So I hope that people can get on board with that and and sort of recognize that, like, just because someone doesn't necessarily see football the way you do doesn't mean that, like, they're assailing your view or they're wedded to theirs. So, Clive, why don't you sort of finish us off on this topic? I I do – look, I do think that there is a ceiling issue, too. If you trot well, out Willian, if you start Willian for 38 games and you start El Nenny for 38 games and you start Lacazette up front for 38 games, we're finishing sixth. If things break for us, we're finishing fifth. We are not finishing in the top four. There's a ceiling there. Saka can grow into a star. Pepe could have a 15-goal tennis this season. Ceballos could, as he's entering his prime, become one of the dynamic central midfielders in the Premier League, and we could be a top-four team. I, I do think the Liverpool game is a weird one-off because of how much further beyond everyone they are right now. But in general, I think we have to start thinking about how we elevate our ceiling. So is that a fair way to at least look at <clears throat> what we're trying to achieve generally? Yeah, that, that is. But I want to talk about the game, right? A bit yeah, more yeah, about please. the model mm-hmm. of the game. 
each coach goes into a game with its own model. So each game has its own model. So Klopp's model, right? We've, we're sick of this lot passing around us. Let's get hold of them. Let's have a really aggressive press. Let's crash the ball into the corners early. Let's get them into their half. Let's creep up the pitch. Crash it in, crash it in, crash it in. Let's get them back where we want them, right? They're going to play out. But when they play out, we're going to fire into them, right? We're going to fire into them. We're going to leave bits on them, elbow, pushes, etc. I'm thinking, right, this is it. Now, I, I, so I'm thinking, that's what you want to do. And then once you've got your two, three goal lead by half time, you're going to sit off. You're going to sit off and try and get us on the counter-attack, right? Bring Jota on late, let him get his goal. That's his model, right? So our model was, okay, let's play what's in front of us. We know they're coming. Let's play with structure. Let's play, but let's be brave enough to play. Let's make sure at the end of this game, people can see Arsenal Football Club, the identity by which we played recently to win the Cups. Exactly the same was out there. Exactly the same under more pressure. But we now can see the extremities of those individual players and now using words like limits and ceilings, Elliot, which we weren't saying historically recently because the results have gone our way and we've done really, really well with the players that we have. But these thoughts have been there in our, in the back of our mind. And then when we have a game like this, we then see gaps. We see extremities. We see limits. We see edges to technique, edges to physicality. And that's good. This is exactly what you want to see. So Arteta's come out of this game saying, you know what, I'm really pleased with the aptitude. I'm really pleased with our attitude. I'm really pleased we kept trying to do the right thing. But they had a bit much quality for us today. And I can accept that. And I can accept that as a fan, just watching the process here of us building a new identity. I can accept that. I can't accept us moving away for everything we're trying to build for one game, game three in the 38-game league season, away from home, where a team have not lost at home for 60 games. I don't want to see us move away from what we're trying to be. We can be better, but let's make sure we are who we're trying to be. I agree and with that, we don't care, And but, we but... need to hold on to that and, and, and make sure that what we've learned from seeing the stretches and the edges and the extremities of our players... That we be, we've improved them. You've improved them by moving them, improved them by selection, or improved them by purchases. That's what we need to see happen next. Yeah, I mean, look, the talent gap was the most evident thing on display in this game. And I mean, I, I think the only area where I'd, I'd slightly dis disagree with you just about that analysis is only that I, I felt I saw an Arsenal team that was absolutely manhandled in the first half. I mean, aside from the fact that we managed a goal... I thought the first half was as thoroughly outplayed as we've been by any team in a long time. And that is not a disgrace, and I am not criticizing us for it, because that's going to happen when Liverpool are on it like they were, and <clears throat> in particular, Sadio Mane, who is absolutely extraordinary. And I want to make a point about Mane and Salah later as it relates to Aubameyang. But, well, I, well look, this is sort of a reductive way of thinking about it, so <clears throat> why don't I lean into that? Tim, mm. if the 11 that started for us at Anfield were available on the transfer market, right now from another team and money was no object which of that 11 right now would you buy to be at arsenal yeah uh, about me, yeah. Mm -hmm. um yeah Leno? Tierney. um is that it um, I, i'm not even sure i'd buy leno if money was no um no object um yeah i, I think that's about it 
And I mean, I, I don't say that to kill the players, by the way. I say that to make the point that like, we started 11 players of which if we could rebuild Arsenal from scratch with an unlimited budget, we'd only take two of the, the 11 to be in our team as they are right now. So, you know, I mean, it, it does show you the, the scope of the project. I think it also does leave me a little bit more realistic about where we are and where we're going. And maybe that also feeds into why I'm a little more frustrated about not putting a couple different guys out on the pitch. But I want to reiterate, I think eight out of 10 times with any lineup, we lose this game, maybe nine out of 10 with the lineup we used and seven out of 10 with the other one, but it's still a, a hugely uphill battle. And I acknowledge that Clive, let's, let's talk about the midfield though. Cause I think midfield and, and then maybe the striker position are two of the most interesting conversations to have coming from this game. Apart from, you know, uh, just sort of writing it off. And I, I do think there is an argument for writing off Anfield, you know, Liverpool away as a fixture, given where they are right now, because you can over-index the performance, the lineup, and the result against a team that is uniquely special. But I think you can also turn around and watch Leicester win 5-2 against City. And I'm not saying City are as good as Liverpool, but, you know, it, it can happen. You can... You can compete with these teams. So the midfield is definitely an issue. And I, I thought that Liverpool exploited our midfield quite expertly. And I think that their policy was pretty clear. Press the hell out of Shaka who can't handle it and ignore Elneny who can't hurt us. And so Elneny looked tidy and neat, but if you look at his pass map, he didn't pass forward the whole game. Shaka looked like he was struggling because he was being fiercely pressed and we know he can't handle that. So, you know, that, that was an area that was really evident to me. And Clive, what was frustrating, and I was doing the hot mic commentary, and there were times when Shaka or Elneny would get it, and they'd have a moment, and the ball just has to move. It has to go forward. If you watch a team like RB Leipzig, when a central midfielder gets it, they turn, they give it forward. There's a forward pass. And I couldn't tell because of camera angles. Are they not giving that because there's no one between the lines to give it to, or are they not giving that because they just don't feel comfortable making that pass? And you hate to bring up transfers and match analysis, why we might want an awar or something, but someone needs to be between the lines for them to give it to, and then they need to be able to give it to that player. Um, that, to me, was a really evident struggle that we had all game. Do you think that that is how you saw the, the midfield playing out, or were there different challenges there maybe that I'm, I'm not seeing? Now, can I just comment that in a second? Let me just name you a team, Liverpool, Everton, 2016. Millionaire, Klein, Lovren, Sacco, Moreno, Milner, Lucas Leiva, Lalana, Firmino, Coutinho, Origi. Mm. That was four years ago. I think we'd be having them. <laughs> right? I think we could beat so that it team. Just tells you, it just tells you the scale of what we've got to do. Yeah, we, I, don't give me, right? Clive, I, so, I just said it. We've got a lot of talent issues to solve, not just, you know, tactical or yeah, selection exactly. issues. Yeah. Um, but we, and, and you know, I've, I've called this group the Uncoachables, and, and they are not. They have exceeded my expectations, and I, I could easily criticize them. 1 to 11, it, it wouldn't, what, what was that going to do? We're in a process which I've bought into, so there we go. So from a midfield perspective, Again, it comes back to how you see the game, what you expect from your midfielders, right? So if if I was picking the team, I would have Pepe, Saka and Aubameyang as my front three. I would have two people that can take the ball in small spaces, coming off, creating a square with two deep midfielders. If I was picking a team for Anfield, I would make sure that I could break out of pressure, I could break free and have the threat of running in behind on both sides and at centre forward, I wouldn't come back into my half. Right? I would get there back into their half because Liverpool have been creeping forward now for a year. So I would do it a slightly different way. 
Now, we know the limits of our base of our midfield. I actually felt Liverpool hammered us down our left-hand side. Why? Because that's where the crown jewels are. The crown jewel on our left-hand side is a Bamiyang. And so if you can really put pressure on that area and don't allow us to exit out of the left-hand side, you're now killing our main goal scorer and our best player. Right, So you're killing him. You're really moving uh, Maitland-Niles around, which leaves um, Salah or Mane if they swapped over one-on-one with our outside centre-half, which means you get things like Cater running into the box, which is not really normal for him. He tends to stay out, they tend to stay outside the box. So they're looking to split us and then run through us and then crash the box with runners on crosses. Right, So that's smart play. Go to our strength, make it our weakness. Now, my hindsight pick is if Saka's in that position alongside Maitland Niles and Aubameyang's just loitering on the halfway line and Pepe loitering on the halfway line on the other side, they've got to, they've got to, they've got to respect their speed. They have to respect their speed. They have to respect their ability to get out. And so it's a hindsight pick, but that's what happens. When you're when you're midfielder, you look up and you see William and Lacazette running towards you, just got a wall pass. You just got an upset and potentially go through. I didn't see the through. I thought Aubameyang was a little bit flat on the day. He didn't make the, the normal runs and aggressive runs he's made. It's quite interesting. I heard something on a video today that in the last three games he's played... He hasn't had a shot against Liverpool. To get out a goal, a shot. Mm. Right? So that tells me, if I'm the coach, I'm wasting that guy. I need to fix this. Because all the chances are going to everybody else and not going to him. Yeah, He's our crown jewel. We give him 300 grand a week to. He's the guy who's committed his career to us. I saw him sulking for the first time in a long time playing for Arsenal yesterday. We have to fix that issue when we have the top six games away from home, this guy needs to be leading from the front. I don't want to see a set merchant in the middle of the pitch unless we've got two sprinters on the outside. Can't have two set merchants in Willian and Lacazette because all teams do is they, they just push on to you and leave their fastest man to take out our fastest man and smash us on the side to make sure we they cut us off at source. Very easy to defend against. Yeah. So cause and effect, mate. If you look up and you don't see the options, you're not going to play them. We haven't got the two of the most expansive passes in there, but we know this. They were there for other reasons for initial part of the game. And when Liverpool stepped away, we made a substitution, and that player used the space he was given in a very exciting way, which I was really impressed with. Yeah, and we can come on to that. And and I want to be clear, Clive, because I know it will drive you crazy if I don't at least make this point. Like Any analysis of Ceballos being very good that doesn't at least acknowledge that Liverpool were dropping off a bit more and playing on the counter is unfair to what the players faced in the first half. I fully acknowledge that. Agreed. I, I still think Agreed. he was better, and I still think he showed an elusiveness under pressure that the other players didn't have and an ability to play a pass that the other players don't have. But I fully acknowledge it's game state difference uh, difference in, and the way they were approaching there the game. Uh, look, Clive, you've nailed and, something for and me. His, yeah. And his, egotis- his egotistical way of playing could have easily led to Losing the ball in central area yes. and, and then running straight okay. through us. So it's just it's just it's just football. It's but football. but but I do want to make a point about I'm glad you said that actually, because I do think that as a fan base in general, and this isn't a knock on, on what you're saying, Clive, because it's true, but I do think that we we have forgotten that it's good to have flair players. It's good to take risks. It's good to try things that are hard and skills that don't always come off. And like if we're gonna get to the top of the mountain, 
Picking the guy that makes the safe four-yard pass he can complete at 90% won't get us there. But the guy who can get us there will make some mistakes. Um, you know, you watch Sadio Mane and just the, the immense talent that guy has. And he tries some outlandish yeah. things. They come off because he's great. And I'm not saying Ceballos is Mane. And I'm not saying trying them deep in your midfield is the same as trying them in the attacking third. There you go. That's, what I, that's I exactly it. what I was going to say. I get it. I heard you say that last night and I thought... That's not a fair comparison. I'm not, you know, I'm not against risk-free football. I'm just saying to you what the manager did in this game, what his game model was. I totally in agree. This game. Fair. Yes. Yeah, By the way, all I'm we're saying. off track a this little bit. This was his game model. Yeah, I'm Clive. I'm not disagreeing with you. Like we're we're totally in lockstep here. I I just do think that like we saw the limits of safe and secure. I think to some extent. So Tim, I mean, I think Clive makes a really important point about Aubameyang. And, so I'm going to say something. Remember, Aubameyang is one of my favorite players in all of world football and was before he came to Arsenal and is now that he is at Arsenal. Aubameyang cannot hold a candle to Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah as a wide player. He is not within 50% of the player players they are. Now, to be fair, the kind of wide player he's playing in Arteta's system is different than what they're doing. But I think... Mm. That maybe Bukayo Saka can become a Sadio Mane or Mohamed Salah. I think Nicola Pepe maybe can't, but, but he has some precocious talent, and maybe there's an upside there that's closer to that. What I think Aubameyang can be is still, at this point in his career, one of the best center forwards in all of world football. And I wonder if we are talking ourselves into this being okay because of the number of goals this incredible player has scored from this position and ignoring the fact that like there's a lot of times when the ball's at his feet you know in the middle of the park and he can't do some of the things mm-hmm. that a Saka can't I mean you saw Saka the other day right like get past a man put him on his butt get into the box and and slide a perfect pullback like Obamian can't do that Obamian can do other things and from that left position he can get in the half space and run into spaces that maybe he wouldn't be available to him um from a center forward position and, and maybe against packed defenses, that's a good conversation to have. But I'm with Clive. I think in a game like this, you know, I mean, it seems so reductive to say if he's running onto those Ceballos through balls, it's a different story, but it, it does feel that way. So, I mean, are we, I mean, I, I think what we're doing, Tim, I think the reason it's bothering me is I think we are now not just holding back what Aubameyang could give us, but potentially blocking the path of a player in Bukayo Saka who we need to get him at left wing and see if he can be what Sadio Mane is, what you know Eden Hazard was, what what Mohamed Salah is. Does he have that in him? Because I think it could be there. And so, do do you start to think that maybe, just maybe, there is a moment coming where this Aubameyang on the left and and steadfastly choosing Lacazette or Enkedi to play through the middle that that this has to start to come to an end. Do you think it'll require getting like an awar and changing shape for it to end? Or do you think we are just going to see this because this is what Mikel, in his wisdom, to be fair, feels works best for us? So I, I, my strong suspicion and and something I'm quite worried about is I I think this is largely what Arteta wants, kind of, um, you know, creating the perfect chance, uh, the perfect goal. Um, And, and personally, um, I, I prefer my attacks to have a bit more jeopardy. That's why I liked Aaron Ramsey. That's why I liked Alexis Sanchez. I, I wasn't blind to the fact that Ramsey left space. I wasn't blind to the fact that Sanchez gave the ball away. Um, but I think they gave us a lot more um, that, that made that stuff not irrelevant, but close to irrelevant, quite frankly. I, I think we've moved into a space where we're overthinking um, the Abamyang up front thing. I mean, for a start off... 
um, at the moment. We, we don't build through the centre anyway, so I'm not sure I understand the absolute need to have this person that holds the ball up. I, d- I, don't, I don't really see that that brings us brilliant attacking. Um, it's, it's, uh, like, I think it's a nice to have, but not an essential. Um, Aguero doesn't do that for Man City. Um, that's, that's not what he's doing. Henri didn't do it for Arsenal, and I know maybe there were different tactical times and everything, but I, you know, Giroud did it. Giroud was brilliant at holding the ball up. Wasn't what we needed, um, quite frankly. It was nice and it was good and it helped us, but he he wasn't what we needed. Um, for me, I I guess I think simplistically maybe about the way that teams should attack. And um, you know may, maybe I, I take my cue from a different a, a couple of different styles, i.e. Arsenal Invincibles, where it's kind of, you know, Pires wasn't really a winger, Jungberg wasn't really a winger. If if you ask them where they wanted to play, they wanted to play the through the centre, but we put them out wide because the philosophy was they're really good at creating and scoring goals, so let's just have them on the pitch. Um, and I, and I quite like that as a philosophy. That's why I liked Sanchez up front because I, you know, I just kind of thought he's really good at getting shots off and creating shots. Let's put him closer to the goal. And look again, you know, you reference Salah and Mane. Um, yes, they're they're kind of wide players, but they're not really wide players. They start wide, um, but they come in and they get shots off. For me, the way I'm looking at it at the moment. And this is possibly a ridiculous thing to say, considering Lacazette has has scored in uh, all three of his appearances so far this season. But I think our three highest end product attackers are Pepe, Saka and Aubameyang. And so I think we should play them together. Um, Now, maybe you could argue that's more of a 4-3-3 front three than a 3-4-3 front three. Um, but wow, that was a mouthful. Um, and perhaps <laughs> what's funny is that like I I totally followed it, no problem. Which tells me that my brain is broken by football that I can understand <laughs> what that means. You know, but you know may, maybe we probably need that third mid midfield piece, whether it's our or, or whoever that kind of link between midfield and attack. But for me, the, the benefit of that going forward, and and look, Anfield is not the place where really this will get crystallised. But I, we've seen the front three that Arteta has selected now for all three of the games, and Willian and Lacazette, they're structure guys. Um, but we've got two structure guys, and then we've got the goal scorer. And personally, I think the balance of that is not to my personal liking. I I, I would like at least two like you know, one structure guy and then, you know, two having a little bit more freedom. That would be slightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's what Liverpool have and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, I, I just kind of, I look at, I think that potentially has a really nice balance to it because Saka can stay nice and wide. He can beat players. We've seen him create from that wide space, um, which is where we like, that's exactly where we try to create chances from. We try to go from wide um, so I think, I th- and, and we've seen, um, you know, how many assists has Saka got playing under Arteta? Like, it's in double figures now. Mm. So he he fits that. He very much fits that mould. And his wide delivery with a Bamiyang in the middle, yeah, that, that works for me. And then, and I know we're making excuses for him, and I know perhaps a lot of us are bending over backwards to make excuses for Pepe. I think Paul was exactly right on the Instant Reaction pod where he talked about it's up to Pepe to say, I'm better than Willian and I'm taking his spot and I'm going to show the manager I'm better. Because I think he is, um, and he has the opportunity to do that. But 
then I, I think you kind of lose some of the stuff that maybe is holding Pepe back a bit. Because for me, one of the problems for Pepe is that Aubameyang is on the other wing. So he wants to come inside and he wants to get shots off. And we can't really have two wingers doing that. And for me, you but can Liverpool solve... Liverpool do, don't they? Liverpool yeah. Do. And so it just comes down to who we want to be, right? And, um, yeah. and I do think, Tim, this game has maybe posed some questions which we needed to see, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, you know, again, maybe maybe this isn't the absolute game for it, but but for me, it's just a case of the one of the best things a manager can do, in my opinion, is by hook or by crook, get your best attackers on the pitch, and you know, they may they may not even be total and utter synergy. And um, uh, sorry again, I'm going to use Arsenal women as a, as a bit of a uh, because it's another team I watch regularly as, as a bit of a kind of um, a marker here. Watch every goal they've scored this season. Five, six players in the box. Quite often the centre forward is not one of them because she drops out and then like five players running behind. And the way they play is they go, right, we're going to put wingers at fullback. We're going to put two number 10s in midfield and we're going to put three forwards across the forward line and play what, what I would call fuck you football. Mm. And that's the football that, that Arsenal used to play under Arsene Wenger as well. That was, we're going to put Bergkamp, Omri, Jungberg, Pires there. You can't stop all four of them. And even if you can, we've got Carnu, Wiltord and Rails on the bench and we'll put them like in defensive midfield and fullback and whatever and we'll just throw everything at you. And and so, you know, maybe my idea of attacking is a lot less sophisticated than Arteta's idea. And, and obviously, look, I'm not saying I'm a better coach than Arteta or anything like that. But, but for me... I think in attack, you need a bit of jeopardy. You need a bit more kind of a bit of devil. And I mm. do think we've got the players to do it. And to me, I look at end product and shot creation and chance creation as a problem for this Arsenal team. And I see two of the most prolific players at doing those things sitting on the bench for Lacazette and Willian. And um, I think that's a question for us going forward. Yeah, and, and look, I mean... It is difficult. I, this is what I hate, and I think all of us would agree with this. When you analyze a game against Liverpool at Anfield, when they are as good as they are at present, the challenge is that you can over-index a game that we probably weren't going to look good in regardless of what we picked. But I think we've watched enough Arsenal to start to have some thoughts about what we can be doing going forward. And look, it is not rocket science anymore to say that we, we know we need to get more shots and concede fewer shots. Like, that's becoming an issue. And if you want to read Scott's by the numbers column, again, like, and I, I recommend you do, <clears throat> it is, again, a, a reminder that, like, this team sits near the relegation zone in terms of the number of shots we take and the number of shots we concede. And, you know, going forward, that's just not going to work. Now, you know what's maybe a little interesting, too? You start to learn about your manager after he's been here a while. I think Arteta has a default preference for the older players, the more experienced players. I mean, look at this game. He picks Aubameyang, Lacazette, Willian, his most senior front three. He picks Louise instead of Gabriel, right? I mean, he, granted, he picks Maitland-Niles, who's a little younger, but he's, he's not a kid by any means. <clears throat> he picks Elneny instead of Ceballos. I mean, Clive, do you think there's anything to that, that Arteta is at the point where, from a trust standpoint, he just trusts the senior players? I mean, our run to the cup final was largely driven on by the more senior players. I mean, the, the, you know, you didn't see the Joe Willicks, the Reese Nelsons, the the Eddie and Kedias, the um, uh, Saka didn't start in that run. I mean, you know, Pepe 
not being chosen, William being chosen. Like, I, I don't think you can look at William right now and say that guy is still at the peak of his powers. But, like, he likes those senior players. I mean, do you think at this point he just trusts the older players to understand his instructions and carry them out and that maybe he's there's a little bit of a bias there for the players that have that experience? And it's coming at the expense of maybe a little more precocious talent that's younger and less reliable. Yeah, I think... Coach plays senior players, shock, high-paid players. It's just it's just the way it goes. Just, you're a younger player, you have to fight your way in. I was watching Man City on Sunday. They played a 19-year-old centre-half, Garcia, a kid with a skull cap on, got absolutely ruined on TV by Mares. Sorry, by uh, Vardy. Completely ruined. What's going to happen to his career right now? Right, So he's on his way out of that club, probably out of this country, because... In my opinion, he's been overplayed. He's not been protected. Other more senior players like Otamendi and Stones have been sitting there on the bench. They can protect their sell value while he basically ruined the kid. So it's very important that there's that side to it. You know, I was talking to my mate Giles this morning offline and mm. and we, we, we were talking about something called absent bias or absency bias, I think is a term. And when players are not there on days like today, they become much better players. So we remember all the good things that they can do and then we compare them to people that are on the pitch and we say, you know, you know what, we should make some changes. I do think there are some fundamental primary skills that someone like Pepe has on a game that transpired that they were pushing up very high. We automatically think of a bit of speed we can get in behind. Um, Pepe's not shown a level of uh, authority or any assertive behaviour. This season, which is a shame and a mystery for me, because in the last game of last season, he was fantastic. So that's a problem for the coach to fix. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think, um, going back to your original point, I think mm. it's just, I don't worry too much about it. Just think about this earlier. It's a unique week. We're going to Anfield twice. And then we've got Sheffield United at home. So, again, you have a game model and you have a model for the week. You can almost pick the team for Thursday, can't you? You can almost pick it. Maybe one or two will start that game that started this game. And then you have to have enough fresh legs for Sunday, which is an important game. I think Sheffield United. So you have a unique week. How many teams go to Anfield twice in four days? And so it's a huge challenge to, to maximise your resources, make sure we can, can be competitive in three games. And we need to win that league game on Sunday. It's really important because there's some other tough ones coming up. Right? So... This Liverpool game was really instructive for me. Um, but you mentioned a team earlier on called Leicester, and that's the top team that we need to be thinking about. And when we think about rebuilding the midfield, we need to be thinking about it with that team in mind and making sure that we can control we can control those sort of games. And just touching on Tim's point about the attacking side of things, and I totally understand where he's coming from, watching those teams like you know very closely. And I get excited about that attacking talent, but that attacking talent was underpinned by defensive monsters. And, and we just don't have those defensive monsters at the right phase of their career. We have players that are maybe plateaued. Um, we have a young, you know, we have a young, exciting left back that we're using as left centre half. We've got two young players in the background there that we think are going to be high line defenders. We've got two, we've got three right backs, and left. And if I'm really honest, there's questions over all of them, right? There's questions marks over all of them where you want to get to. Well, there's a question mark over enough. when whether one of them even exists because <laughs> we, yeah, we haven't that. seen him at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Rob Holding for all his, um, you know, resurrection has a limit away from his goal. Mm -hmm. I take Tim's point last night. He's a 
he's a penalty box defender and um he's not a he's not a Joe Gomez or Virgil van Dijk defender, right? So um so we have work to do to allow us to underpin what we want to be. At the moment we're looking at midfield, but I'm still looking at that back line because when we get that right, as I said the other week, we can move forward and we can start to develop the attacking shape and the attacking devastation that we all want to see. Yeah, <clears throat> and I mean, there's a lot of hard choices for Arteta to make because there are players who can do more than the ones he put on the pitch, but they come with liabilities as well. And so he has to decide what liabilities he wants to minimize and what strengths he wants to emphasize. One of those areas, Tim, is with the back line. I think <clears throat> Tierney is a special talent, but I think part of what makes him special is his ability to get up and down the line and be good at both ends of the pitch. But right now he's playing left center back and, and he, he isn't able to get as advanced as often. Um, and we had Maitland-Niles playing at wing back. And so you wind up with a player who's sort of a specialist defensive player, Maitland-Niles, and you see some of those limitations in terms of going forward. And then you have Bellerin who had a bit of a mare defensively and showed some of the things he can do getting forward, but, you know, then you have the questions about what what he can do defensively. Should Maitland-Niles be playing over there? But then you lose some of the attack, and I think that's where you see the flaws in the squad. I mean, I think about the time Maitland-Niles got free up the wing and tried to cushion it down with the outside of his right foot to a wide-open Aubameyang, got it badly wrong. He had another one that he just kind of blasted into the stands, couldn't couldn't get the, the cross right. I mean, do you think that the, the tyranny thing is interesting to me because... He's just such a good player and such an enjoyable player. And admittedly, he gets beat by Salah on the, I guess that's the first goal. And a lot of players are going to get beat by Salah. But like, I can't help but think using him the way we are takes yet again another player who has something special to offer in a certain position and getting less from him in another. Much like Aubameyang, you know, I understand why he's playing left, but we're getting less from him than we could be. I feel like Tierney is not talked about as much because he's so solid, but do we sort of have an obligation to try to find a way to get him to be outside and up the pitch more? Yeah, yeah. It, it's a sticking plaster, isn't it? And um, we've all got, I think we've all got the kind of in our minds that maybe the back three is a sticking plaster. I mean, it might not be, but generally managers show you what they want to do in their first couple of games. And it took Arteta a while to go to a back three. So that suggests to me it's not his first choice, which is not to say that he won't stick with this. He might build a team around it. We don't know yet, but it's it, it's a sticking plaster. It's a sticking plaster like a Bamiyang up front because... Uh, sorry, Bam, Abamyang on the left wing, because I think until now, until the emergence of Saka, perhaps we didn't even really have that player for the left wing anyway. Um, and now, and, and yeah, and so, I mean, I guess we always talk about Liverpool, don't we, as the kind of model that we want to follow. And I think that's really understandable. Perhaps we do it a bit too much, but given we just played Liverpool, um, why not? But we we talk about a few things with Liverpool and the way they've built their team. And we talk about that front three and we talk about the signings of, of Van Dijk and Alisson, all of which very, very important, but arguably the single most transformative thing that happened to them was their fullbacks. You know, they were playing with um, Alberto Moreno or James Milner at left back and they were playing with Nathaniel Klein uh, right back. Um, I mean, Moreno was a bit terrible. Milner, not a terrible left back by any means. Um, Nathaniel Klein, not a terrible right back by any means. Decent players. But they picked up Robertson from Hull for, you know, um, a couple of curly whirlies and a packet of love hearts. Um, and they got TAA out of their academy and that is that is just as transformative as anything else that they've done. 
Um, and yeah, I, I kind of I agree with you here. I think that that's um, that that's in the post for Arsenal. I, I think you can see that there is, or at least we're assuming there is like a clear plan there that in a year or two, it will be Saliba and Gabriel uh, who will be able to defend slightly higher line um, and then we'll have the fullbacks and then we'll get more out of the fullbacks. I mean, to be fair, we got a lot out of Saka um, as a wing back, but as a dedicated wing back. And you're right, that's that's not the role Tierney's, uh, Tierney's been playing for some time. So I, I think that's that's a piece. That's a piece in waiting. Um, and I think that that's a piece that Arteta will try to unveil gradually over the season. I, th- I think his idea at the moment, keep Louise for another year, you know, help bed these young guys in. Then next summer, no matter what happens next summer, Louise, Mustafi, Socrates are all out of contract, um, regardless of what happens to Mustafi and Socrates in the last couple of days of this window. They're all out of contract. They're gone. Uh, one way or another so you can see the future of the defense is there and so whereas I said with the attack I'm not I've not seen much evidence that Arteta wants to evolve it much beyond mm. um, at least what it is stylistically at the moment I, I have a bit more um, I think there's a bit more evidence that 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 you know a back four of of sorts is taking shape and I think we know that Tierney, Saliba and Gabriel are part of it. And then at right back, there's a bit of a scrap going on, isn't there? I think for that right back slot. Um, I think we suspect that Saka is not going to be a, a wing back forever um, as well, that he'll move up. Um, you know, we've obviously got Martinelli to come back. I think that's more of a next season thing, given the the kind of severity of his injury, even though he will come back this season, it will be next season before he's back at his best. So there are some, there are some pieces that are kind of moving in the background that you can see. Um, And I definitely think that's one of them. And I, I, I see why um, Tierney is playing this role at the moment, this kind of specialized role. And, and look, it's, it's worked. Uh, Tierney plus Maitland Niles slash Saka. That's one of big games recently um playing like that and and i think not not inconsequentially i think that's been a big part of that success but if you're talking about the next phase of our as our uh, evolution yeah that's that's tierney at, at left back absolutely bombing up and down there i'm certain that when we signed him well obviously it was a different manager at the time but you know he, he didn't come to arsenal to play this role uh, and i'm certain that this time next year uh we we probably won't see him play it at all yeah, football isn't like FIFA, the video game, right? I, I get that. But there is a world where we're just playing Aubameyang through the middle, Saka on the left, Pepe on the right, Ceballos in midfield, Tierney at left back, right? And like maybe even trying Willian as a 10 and playing a midfield three or something and getting more shots and creating more chances and pushing teams back and being better. And yes, conceding more and being more vulnerable. But like, I, I think we're at a tipping point where you're going to start to say, do we have to go that route instead of the route we're currently going? Let me give you some of the numbers from the By the Numbers column. 24 shots this Premier League season for Arsenal, total, ahead of only West Brom and tied with Manchester United who have played one less match. 40 shots allowed, fifth most. But to be fair, I think 24 of them came against Liverpool. Um, 8.4 shots per match for the five matches that Arsenal played for the 2021 season. That's all the matches. Um, 8.4 shots, you know, 12.6 shots allowed. It's, it's, you know, it's certainly something that if you look at it, you say there's a, there's a big ceiling 
on the way, on, on where you can go playing football that yields those results. And uh, again, some of that is skewed by playing Liverpool, but I think some of that is a problem that we knew just was an issue that we have to address. And some of that could be down to just playing the players who maybe give us a little less structure, but give us a little more dynamism in the other direction. You know, I I mean, if I look at this game and I think the one area where he just really overthought it was the Elneny for Ceballos thing, and maybe he felt Ceballos was leggy, as you pointed out, Clyde, but I do think it allowed them to target Shaka. Because if you target Shaka and leave Ceballos, he can carry the ball forward and hurt you, and we saw that. But if you target Shaka and leave Elneny, which they did, you wind up with passes going back to David Luiz. So there was a lot of that. I want to talk William, though, for a second. Clive, this is an important conversation. We bought William, and I think a lot of us, myself included, were excited about that because we thought he'll play a little from the left, he'll spell Pepe a little on the right, and maybe, just maybe, we have this this number 10 type of role for him where he can let us, he can sort of guide us to a midfield three before we have the perfect solution for that. I think we're far enough into the season now, and I could be dead wrong about this, so apologies, but the early returns show me we bought William to be our first choice right wing. That's what we bought him for. Now, you can say, no, look, Pepe had a baby. He's not fully match fit. We're easing him in. That's not it. Pepe's going to own that spot, and William's going to be depth there and, and, and move around more when it, that gets settled. But right now, it looks like William was bought to be the right wing, and Pepe is the alternative or the bench player. And I think at that level, I start to have concerns because especially, I think, I don't think William's showing the burst of the athleticism and so I, w- I wonder what, we, what we're signing up for here with William. I mean, do you have any sort of early concerns that the William situation is not necessarily what we expected in terms of the way he's being used and what he's able to offer? Yeah, I do. Um, this time, well, last first game of the season, um, we were building Sabaya statues after Burnley. Um, I thought we did the same with William after Fulham. When I looked at that game, I thought it was a steady game for him, just a steady game where he was smart, he could afford to go inside, and we quite like that. It was different compared yeah. to Beppe. Not to mention that Fulham are historically terrible. It looks like just yeah, as, and, you know, as and, then, and we when we found it quite interesting. It was new. It was different. His positions he took up were really intelligent, and of course we we, we were such in control physically and, and speed of ball movement that we weren't really looking at him running backwards. And now we play Liverpool, the fastest, most athletic team in the world, along with Bayern Munich. And suddenly we're questioning his athleticism when he he's a sharp player, but he just didn't look sharp on this day, right? So, and some positions that he took up inside didn't work. In fact, we didn't want him to do that today because they got a left back that's not bad at driving 20, 30 yards and crossing it into our box. So we need you to hold your shape to restrict him. And again, I always say the same thing, and sometimes the game doesn't suit you. So... Willian was caught out on the back stick, although we had two players jumping for the same ball in the first goal, and then Robertson slots it, and then I think I think if I remember rightly, after just I think the next sort of chance when Robertson has a chance to go in on the left hand side, Willian's back there, which tells me he knew he messed up for that goal. He was one of a number of things that happened on, on that goal because I don't think we foul early enough in the movement, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I tell you what, I came away with last night, Elliot. I came away with thinking, my God, Elliot's right about these older players. When they hit the wall, you feel like, have you just had your wallet nicked? <laughs> yeah, it's you know not gradual, I mean? is it? <laughs> it? It just hits you like a thunderbolt. You know, Maitland-Niles or Saka or Joe Willett, we can debate their ability, but it's not over for them. 
It's not over. They're going one way, right? Whether it's at our club or somewhere else, right? They're going one way. When William has a dud game like he did here and he had a pretty dud game, come which one now, West Ham. Yeah, West Ham was poor, yeah. You suddenly think, hmm, hold on a minute here. Have I built the statue too soon? I've just lost my wallet. Did we need to give him three years? This week's like after three games, what's going to be like after three years? And it just sort of hits you. And then when you look at Liverpool buying Jota for 41 million, and you look at him and you look at his pressing numbers, you look at his sprintability, and I'm looking at Harvey Barnes, I'm looking at Leicester right back, James Justin at left back, I'm looking at Madison coming back to fitness and Vardy, all full of sprinters. They're all sprinters. They all get it. This is where football's going. Sprinty, carrying technicians that can pass and move. And I'm looking and I'm looking at William and I'm thinking, hmm, you need to even need to be number 10 in a nice little armchair just instructing us and laying on chances that you are a good chance creator. But can we get some some real devastation out wide? Because I think an Arsenal team looks better for it. You know, and and so that's just my my biases on football and how I see things. Whether I'm prepared to um, you know, to let the manager go through his processes, you know, say that sounds that sounds very uh, patronising. Letting the manager, I'm trying to understand the manager going through his processes, which he needs to go through. I say it again, there's three games in a week here, a unique week, and he needs to manage that. So at the end of this week, I think some of these conversations will be um, a little, little bit more solidified and we can really have some strong opinions. Yeah, and like, look, I, I love the conversations we get to have after every game. I mean, I, this podcast isn't something I do just because I have to do it. I love doing it because I love this chat. And like, it is a space to ask questions and challenge the manager and wonder about players, not because we're against them, but just because it's interesting. And so like, again, direction of travel under Arteta looks great starting to see some issues that need to be addressed, and it's a great conversation to say, will he get to them? Will he address them? You know, I I mean, the William Pepe thing will work itself out. I thought he overthought it a little bit with the Elneny Ceballos thing in this game. I'll admit that. I think that was an overthink. Um, but, can, can I say yeah, something yeah, there? I, 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 you may be getting onto it, Elliot, so if I've chopped up your menu, I apologize. No, but I do not think Elneny was an issue. I think the bloke to his left was a much bigger issue. He was, but, but I, Clive, can we I, can we debate this for a second? Because the way I saw it was they targeted Shaka, and he responded no, terribly. They, they, very, they targeted our left side full stop. Full stop. But but Elneny was the one who had jewel. space as a result, and I don't think they targeted he could our left it. side. Yeah, they targeted our left side. Simple as that. They targeted our left side to kill off the to choke the pathway to Aubameyang. If anything, the player disappointed me a little bit more. That was the combination between Shaka and Tierney and Maitland Niles didn't work for me. I didn't think we passed people on. I didn't think we were communicating correctly. I didn't think we used the ball really well. That's the first time that side hasn't worked. And that was due to the pressure and the constant diags coming into that space, forcing us to move, flooding that area. They, they targeted our left side. They targeted our strength and took it away from us for for a while. To come in 2-1 at halftime was an r- absolute result. It oh, really yeah. was a result. The playing out from the back wasn't working, was it, Clive? I mean, like, we, it oh, was no, just a little it looser. Was it was a little more man. nervous, and, and we didn't have the forward forward ball. We, you know, we didn't no. know how to get out. We, did, we didn't have an out ball. And as a result, the Liverpool possessions were starting so far up the pitch because we were giving it back to them, like, all in our final third, you know? You know what? You know what? This is where I will clap my hands and praise the team, the management, I don't know how they kept doing it. 
I, I'm telling you, everything in my body was saying, what are you doing? But actually, it was the only way we were going to get through that. I agree with that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just this didn't have the outlaw. Really, we never found it, we, really. We just weren't quite as accurate as we normally were. And this Agreed. is where, yep. you know what, I, there's a conversation to have about Shaka that I probably we really need to have in it, a proper one. Because I don't think his passing range is, is where we think it is. I think it's a memory. I don't think he can switch play like he used to. He wants to fire a 15, 20-yarder now through the lines, but that's it. There's not enough range coming from him. There's an, there's an option, an upgrade option on range and escapability as well as speed. And when it comes against the best teams, I think what he does, he goes into red Adair mode and he starts to put out fires which are not his. And they 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 moved him around, and I think he, he showed a little bit of his old self. And I thought that's why he got substituted. El Nenny was much better than him, more structured, more accurate. We know his limits. We're not talking Sabias here when it comes to dribble and step through the lines and chipping over the line. We know his limits, but he gave us a, he gave us a pivot and a structure where I felt Shaka didn't. When he normally does on the mm. day, he normally does this. I felt he got gobbled up by the game in the moment. Yeah, no, I, look, I totally agree. And I agree with all the analysis of Chaka. What I will say is Elneny had zero progressive passes and zero final third entries. And and I'm not saying it would have been easy to have any of those on the day. But I do think he was the one who had space. Chaka was under intense pressure. The whole left side was. And Chaka, we know, can't live with that. And that's one of the reasons why I think we kind of have to move on from him as well. But given that Elneny had the space, he's the one who had the opportunity to do some of the things I think we saw Ceballos do later with all the caveats in place I said earlier about the way Liverpool were playing um, and couldn't do it. But, well, so let's let's start to round the bend here and, and get towards the finish line. Um, you know, I, I think it is interesting, Tim, because it's unfortunately a case where we have to play Liverpool again right after this. And I assume Liverpool will be a much-changed side. We know that Klopp has a disdain for this kind of fixture congestion and, and the League Cup and will not particularly be arsed about it and will we'll put out a heavily rotated side. I don't think Arteta will want to have two consecutive bad outcomes and potentially bad performances, depending on how you view it. Um, so he may feel some pressure to be a little more aggressive with the lineup, but you know, I certainly hope he... He won't be too aggressive, but where does he go from here? I mean, do you do you think he tries to put out a strong side against a rotated Liverpool side and get the good feeling back? Do you think he recognizes that you know that would be a pyrrhic victory and and rotates? How how should he go forward from here? Um, I, I'd rotate the hell out of the side on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. I mean, we be, we beat Leicester away last week. We're talking about that as a really as we're talking about them as a competitor. We're talking about a, that as a really key fixture that's coming up on our horizon. No one gave a shit that we beat Leicester away in the Carabao Cup. It didn't bring, and, and I'm I'm not I'm not having a go here when I say it didn't it didn't bring good feeling. Like of course it didn't. It was the third round of the Carabao Cup. I, I think the same about this. As long as we don't get beaten, like really heavily i don't think a defeat will give a bad feeling i don't think a victory will bring a great feeling maybe maybe a good one i mean winning the community shield gave us a bit of a good feeling um but to be honest this competition it's always the last on the priority list and this season especially um it should be it should be even lower uh, than last quite frankly it's um you know, I get. I guess, like every other competition, it's only being played really because of uh, you know commitments to sponsors and TV deals, and you know a lot of clubs would be out of pocket if they ditched it. But you know, I'd. I don't think anyone 
really cares about this and I don't think the players will hugely care about it, particularly not at this stage. Maybe if it was a semi-final or something, but not in the fourth round when you, you, know, you had the third round a week earlier. I, you know, no, nobody that started the game at Anfield, you know, maybe Elneny. Um, you, you know, I, I guess the players that no one who is in line to start on Sunday should be anywhere near this. Um, quite frankly, I think it will be quite a similar side to the one that took on Liverpool. Uh, sorry, the one that took on Leicester. And still, that's not that's not a team of kids. You know, I think we'll see. I think we'll probably see Pepe um, start it. I think we'll see Nketiah. We'll see Nelson. Um, you know, we haven't got an awful... I think we'll see Gabriel. Um, you know, we ha- we haven't got an awful lot of other defensive options. So someone like holding might have to eat two games in a week, um, which, which I think is kind of fine. Uh, maybe we'll see Saliba, but I mean, th- this game to me, I, d- I don't think, I don't think this dictates anything mood wise, really, and, unless we lose it really heavily, which given the fact that I think Klopp will rotate the hell out of this. Nobody that played on Monday night will, will play in this game. It will be, you know, it will be guys with fifties and sixties, um, on the back of their shirt. That's what he did last year. I, I'm pretty certain he actively tried to lose to us last year, but <laughs> it was the um, it was the tail end of the Emery reign and we were quite good at shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, so I, I, I really, I just don't think this game matters um, really in any way, shape or form other than maybe to give some minutes to players who need minutes, but they all played last week in the previous round. We've got... Um, Europa League on the horizon, so I just I don't think that this this has any bearing on anything really. Um, I, and like personally, I'm not even watching it. So. Yeah, I mean it, it's kind of funny, right? Think about it this way: if we're mostly, I think the fan base feels okay about a three-one loss in the league to Liverpool, and I think people are patting us on the back saying, "Yeah, not bad. We didn't embarrass ourselves." If we feel that way after a three-one loss in the league. I don't think anybody's going to give a shit what happens in the League Cup, right? No. I mean, if, if we're this no. nonplussed about losing at Anfield in the league, I, I don't think anybody's going to care. I mean, would it be nice to beat them? Sure, because you want to win every game you play, but I, I don't think people are going to be too bothered if it doesn't go our way. You got a lineup in mind, Clive? Yeah, I team took to some, some of that, but I actually think... Um, I, I do think we're going to see like a back three. I think Sleever's going to start. I think he's going to start right centre-half. It's a perfect game. Um, Gabriel in the middle and Kleschnik on the left I think you can see Saka on the left hand side and I think Maitland Niles will start on the right hand side Cedric's injured I'm, I'm not sure he's going to play centre mid I think Shaka might play given the fact he was taken off quite early and and with Joe Willock and the front threes with obviously Saka um, Eddie and um, and Pepe and I think that's a that's a really interesting team and some of the things that we've been talking about I mean, if you're those players in those key positions, particularly wide areas and, and central defence, you're thinking, you know what, this game is important to me because I need to show people that I am an option. We talk about Saka as an option because he ripped it up against against Leicester. He looked fantastic, right? So are we? these games are important to the players to create that jeopardy and selection and, and challenge the hierarchy of the senior players earlier that you spoke about earlier this game is important so we can then see the next thing that's coming I always remember the Bamiyang's line when he signed his contract and he said these young players are coming like fire and that's what I want to see out of this game I want to see these guys 
play with real fire and really get into it. So I think I missed out Nelson in this team, by the way, so I may have made a mistake. But, um, but yeah, I want to see them play with fire and really put some of these more established players under pressure because right now you're as good as your last game. Like our last game, there's a number of established players that underperformed. Yeah, and yet, and I want to make sure we don't, we end the pod without saying this. At 2-1, we were in the game at Anfield. Chance falls to Lacazette to make it 2-2. The stats tell us we were outplayed. Fair enough. Everyone's going to be outplayed at Anfield this season, most likely. But there was no capitulation. It was a team that continued to work and, and follow the instructions. A team that clearly believes what the coach is telling them, what the manager is telling them, and believes that they can get a result if they follow those instructions. Maybe there were things that, that I felt we we could have done differently in terms of who we put where on the day, but to be fair, at 2-1, you're in the game. Whether you deserve to be or not, I mean, hell, Sadio Mane didn't deserve to be on the pitch, right? So things could have gone very differently. Um, the chance falls to Lacazette, and, you know, on on that chance, upsets hinge. If you're going to upset the favorite, you upset the favorite by sticking around and making the most of the scraps you get. And as far as scraps go, Tim, that's a pretty good scrap. And I would never sit here and pretend that that's a game we deserve to get something from. I mean, you know, that's sort of a weird way to talk about football, but I I don't think you can have an argument with the outcome. But I think you can puff your chest out at least a little bit and say, in the second half, Ceballos comes in, flashes a little skill, creates some chances. We're in that game. We got a bit tenacious, and then that chance falls to Lacazette, and that's the moment. Um, how frustrated are you about that? I mean, do you see it as a missed chance? Not like a literal missed chance to score a goal, but like as a missed opportunity that, you know, on another day with another player, it goes for us and and we are totally transforming the narrative about this game. And to Clive's point about we wanted to be in it and then and then get a result late. I mean, we weren't necessarily in it on the run of play, but we were in it on the scoreline. And at the death, Sabi- not the death, but late in the game, Ceballos comes in, influences the game, sets up a chance. So, I mean... If that was the plan, the plan worked and we didn't take the chance. Does it feel like a missed opportunity there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, that, that to me, I, th- I think clearly was the game plan. Um, you know, to kind of hang in there and then bring, you know, introduce Ceballos and Pepe late in the game and then see if we could take our chance. And, and like, like I said at the outset, it's a case of playing the numbers. And I'm sure Arteta knew that whatever approach he took, chances are you're going to lose. But it would have been frustrating for him because... If Lacazette scores that and we hold on to a 2-2, then we're sitting here saying brilliant game plan, brilliant. Like we we selected the solid side and then we were really clever. You know, the, the, the thing we've criticized Arteta about substitutions, we say brilliant substitutions, excellent. He's really improving there. And, you know, we, we took what we ne- we needed to take. And, and look, that's just how these games go. It's kind of the same. And I don't like talking about Arsenal like this, but it's a reality. It's the same, you know, from like five, ten years ago when teams used to come to the Emirates, mid-table teams, and it was very much a case of hang in there, be in it with 20 minutes to go and see if you can pick up something, you know, from a set piece or something like that. And some teams managed it. The majority of times they didn't, but, you know, three or four times a season, team managed it. And that that that's the, the territory we're in. We're in, you know, again, let's simulate that game 19 times. Um, you know, let's say that's every away game. Three or four times, um, maybe that Lacazette chance goes in. We draw, maybe we even go on to win, but most of the time we don't. But having got to that place, having got to the kind of, okay, we're in it and we've made a big chance at 2-1, 
yeah to not to not take it is um is it, it it is a literal mischance in in more respect than one but like i said i, I and i said this on the instant reaction pod I, I think that's also a symptom of the way we attack generally under arteta we kind of have to take every chance we get and i do understand um the kind of the logic of creating good shooting chances and you know so that maybe your shot counts lower but the the shots you take are quality shots but um the the downside is they don't come around very often and when you miss them you know you miss one in the 73rd 74th minute the chances are you're not getting another one after that whereas if you attack by volume um maybe you do um and you know i recognize there's an irony in that because the goal we actually score is scored by lacazette and it comes from a ricochet in the area and he mishits the finish and it goes in and and so you know maybe that 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 kind of makes my point a bit redundant or maybe maybe it it proves it you know that 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 sense of jeopardy is is kind of worth going for because if you attack by volume uh once in a while that that will drop for you um but yeah i mean look lacazette scored in in each premier league game so far look at his face i'm just gonna cut across you real quick tim sorry clive's gotta go clive's on twitter clive pfc thanks clive appreciate it mate all right, I think he may already... Oh, yep, there he is. Bye, Clive. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs> Clive's on Twitter, Clive BSA. Sorry, Tim, back to you. Yeah, yeah. So, look, Lacazette was taken off. You saw his face when he sat on the bench, right? He covered um, his face with his shirt. He, he, he knew he had a chance to produce a fairly famous result, deserved or otherwise, with that chance there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you can see that he wasn't happy, despite the fact that he scored a goal and it's you know he's on three goals for the season already, which is which is good. But you still, I don't know, you still get the sense, and I I know I've said this before as well this season. You know, he's he's cooked after sixty minutes every game to me. He he just looks done after after sixty sixty five minutes. Maybe if that chance had come earlier in the game, he you know he might have had a bit more about him to take it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I'm torn, right? Because I can't believe in XG and say I'm someone who believes in that and then at the same time say, oh, he has to score there, right? Because I know that's like a 35% chance, a 40% chance, but that 40% is a big chance. You know, 40% yeah, can be president. And, so, you know. Um, and XG is yeah. more of a, a volume stat, isn't it? It's yeah, of not course. The point is not that, um, you know, that, so that's a 60% you miss chance. It's make that chance three times and it will go in at least once. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, in general, I don't want to be too hard on Lacazette. I just think that we are seeing a player who we could just use more from that position. And I know he's, he's scored a bunch lately, ironically, but I think in general, um, the consensus is probably fair, which is just that he's not quite at the elite level that you'd want for that position. Um, it's starting to feel a little like the conversation around Giroud towards the end, which is like, everybody sees his quality, but is there more that we can get? And it, it gets tedious. I don't want to pick on him. Look, you can pick out some positives. I don't think we capitulated. I don't think we gave in. I think there are decisions that Arteta, if he had him back, might make differently. But by the same token, you can't make impact subs if you don't have anybody impactful on the bench. So, you know, maybe you do keep it tight early and try to win it late. Um, I, I think... I think in general, this is a one-off game sometimes. When a team is that good and you're going to their place and they're that much above you, if you overanalyze the game vis-a-vis the rest of what you're going to do that season, you can be making a mistake. Um, We'll see what happens Thursday, but in general, the big game coming up will be Sheffield. A a chance against a team that is struggling now 
to to really see what Arteta's thinking. And maybe with a Noir in in tow, we will have an epic live stream on deadline day, by the way. So I hope you join us for that. Tim's on Twitter at Stoberto. Hello, Tim. Uh, goodbye, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure as always. Yeah, my name is Alex Smith. Goodbye, me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. I hope you enjoyed this chat and, and see it for the spirit of what it is. A chance to just dig into some of the interesting issues around the club without really having a go at anyone, ideally. Um, and uh, I get to do an outro that is the same as the last outro because we play the same team again. So thank you so much. We do love you. And we will talk to you after Arsenal 10, Liverpool 0.